Check, check. All right, y'all, we're going to keep things moving here. Uh, we have uh, Brother Vic King here with us this morning. He serves as chaplain, chaplain at Helping Up Mission, walking alongside men seeking recovery from addiction and homelessness. He is the husband of Joanna, father of Zipporah, Lucia, and Eliza, brother and friend of many, and follower, and it's my favorite part of the bio, adopted little brother of Jesus. This brother is sanctified, amen? And grew up in Somerset County, Maryland, and has lived in Baltimore City for the past 10 years. Vic, won't you come up? Let's have a, yes sir, likewise, have a conversation about the church and the parachurch. How you First doing? off, okay, I'm doing well. Can you define parachurch? Beside the church. Church means beside the church. Parachurch. Para means So if like I walk outside, that's parachurch. Yeah, on the sidewalk, you are technically <laughs> parachurch. No. Uh, yeah, just, just ministries beside, besides local congregations. All right, cool. Yeah. How would you describe the relationship between church and parachurch with regards to addiction in general? Just overall general. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we, we were talking a little bit about this last week, and uh, I, I have a metaphor that's, that's kind of helped me in my thinking, but as I was thinking about it since then, I wanted to back up a little bit and, uh, and start, with, uh, start with something Jesus said. Um, y'all, y'all know that, that, that Jesus hung out with uh, such people that he himself was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. <laughs> um, and that was, uh, let's see. So Matthew 11, right? He says, uh, John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. And then um, on the same theme, like on that, on that accusation. Oh, hey, here's some pictures uh, from Helping Up. Uh, on that same theme, he said, um, came not for the healthy, but for the sick came to call not the righteous but sinners uh, to repentance and and kind of flowing out of out of that theme in Jesus' teaching a lot of a lot of Christians over the years have have said things like and this is kind of the modern version uh, of the saying you know the church is not a museum for saints or you know a country club or whatever it's it's a hospital for sinners right and uh, and and, and if, that's, uh, if that's true of the church, if that's true of the kingdom of God, my, my, my working understanding of the role of a place like Helping Up Mission is, uh, is that it's kind of like, a, like an intensive care unit, <laughs> you know, within that, within that larger kingdom. Absolutely. Um, and so, I mean, we could, we could flesh that out a little bit, but let, let's keep it moving, man. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. on that, on Helping Up Missions, what's... How would you say helping up missions uh, relationship with churches in Baltimore are? Yeah, so uh, just just like a quick minute on on what happens at helping up if if you don't know, there's they got pictures rolling back here. Um, it started in 1885 as basically a homeless shelter, soup kitchen, classic gospel rescue mission type deal, and. Uh, and over the past 20, 25 years has, has shifted gears into pr- 
primarily, we still do the overnight shelter, got 50, 60 beds reserved for that. And we do a couple other things, like we house some men uh, who are waiting permanent housing through the VA. You know, we house some men who are in intensive outpatient treatment at Hopkins. But the vast majority of our now 500 beds uh, are for men who are in this year-long spiritual recovery program. Um, and and uh, guys come to us, I think the average, the average is like 20 years of, uh, of active addiction, um, most of whom also been homeless for some period, you know, as a result of that. And, um, and we've developed this uh, really a really holistic deal walking alongside a man, you know, not just, not just dealing with addiction matters, but uh, education, workforce development, you know, helping, helping a guy find his pl place, his fit in the work world, um, mental health counseling, substance abuse counseling, um, medical care. So we, we don't have our own, like, clinic, but we partner with, you know, right. other organizations to provide that stuff. Re really kind of a coordinated care effort. And th that's why I like the, the ICU sort of metaphor, because major difference, right, between, between a place like HUM and a place like the Garden or, or other healthy local churches is that, that we're walking alongside a guy for a year or two at best, you know, at most. Um, the local church is designed by God to, to walk along people for their whole lives, for generations even, yeah. you know, and so, and so it's really the context where, where lifelong discipleship, you know, need, needs to happen. We're just, you know, even if a guy stays with us for the whole year, completes the program, sticks around for a little bit while he's, you know, going to school or getting his GED or something, you know, he's only with us for a short time. And, and our, our vision, our desire is to see those men and starting a women's program in the next couple of years released back into their communities and churches, you know, f for the greater good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to speak to uh, some of the good that I've seen from Helping Up Mission, uh, I believe that they have a, a program that is in relation with a faith theological seminary, Yeah. which is actually where uh, I'm finishing up seminary. Jaden hey. goes there as well. Uh, Joel is a professor <coughs> there. Um, but being able to see guys who are able to be discipled and uh, learn theology and what it means to right. follow Jesus in, right. in the setting of a so class. So have, have you had classes there. with some guys from home? Yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah, They actually gave me rides home after class. So. Nice. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's been a cool partnership. You know, we're, uh, yeah, we've, we've had guys go to faith. Uh, we've had, um, we've, you know, we've, one, one, of our, one of our goals, one of our desires, you know, and when I say we, I'm, I'm, ta I'm thinking mainly, you know, of, uh, of my, three, my three colleagues, Gary Byers, Mike Rowler, Kirk Wise, so the my four guy, of us are like Gary. a spiritual life team. Gary's a trip, yeah. man. Um, and uh, and, and one, of, one of our desires is to see our guys get, get connected with, get plugged into healthy local churches. Maybe we can talk a little more about, like, what that might look like, how that can happen in a little bit. Let's yeah, talk about it know. now. Go ahead. Right now? So, yeah. Hey. So, so one question is, so uh, one of the, the, I guess, like some blurry lines with the parachurch and the church, it seems like over time they've always, or not always, but sometimes it's like they butt heads. So we know that uh, Helping Up Mission is not a church. Uh, the church is not a program. What are some things that you can do a Helping Up Mission that the church may not be able to do and vice versa? Right, right. Um, 
I mean, sometimes church and parachurch are butted heads. Other times, they've just ignored each other. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? Just kind of run in, in, in separate lanes, doing their own thing, and never the twain shall meet. Um, which, you know, which is just as bad. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, to, you know, following kind of the ICU, kind of larger, larger hospital metaphor, the, cor- the kind of the level of coordinated care you know, that, that, um, that Helping Up has developed, you know, over the years took a lot of work <laughs> and takes a lot of ongoing, you know, resources and, and support and, and relational capital and stuff. And, and, um, and so I, I think that's, I think that's an, you know, a unique kind of institutional advantage that a place like HUM has um, that most local churches probably would not. Now, I, I know that part of the vision for, for One Hope, right, is, is to be able to walk alongside folks in that whole life discipleship kind of way, right? It's the kind of thing that, where's Stephanie at? Uh, yeah, the kind of, the kind of thing that, that you guys are, are doing as well, like with the, with the work-life curriculum <clears throat> and, uh, and, and with some of the other things. Um, so it's not like it's not, it's not like that kind of thing is not, you know, achievable, right, by local church, but Hum's just been doing it for a long time, yeah. um, and it, it, but it t- and it takes some real f- some real focused effort. Um, I was thinking recently about about kind of the differences, like on this top, you know, like uh, parachurch, local church, and and I think one of the ways that, that the differences become clear is when you look at like what are, what are the conditions and kind of boundaries of membership, mm. right? That's good. So yep. so you know. I know church membership is a big thing here at the Garden, you know, in a lot of churches. And in the Bible. And in the Bible. So what are, what are some of the, so, you know, you're, 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 you're a pastor here. Like, like what, are, what, are the, what are the, what's the deal with membership of the Garden in, in bullet points? Uh, so we believe that the Bible calls us to be in covenant membership, uh, meaning that um, <clears throat> I am responsible for the souls of the people in my church, and they are uh, responsible to hold me accountable as well so so long as they are uh, making a profession of faith and walking in that same profession of faith we are in covenant membership with one another all right is so, there anything else so, that you need to know? well so, so to be a member I gotta profess faith in Jesus Pre- profess faith in Jesus and I, I gotta have you know a reasonably credible <laughs> profession of faith uh, testimony yeah, life to, to kind of back that up and lifestyle right. correct uh, and then like what would I have to do to get kicked out to get kicked out? To get ki- Well, <laughs> according to the scriptures. <laughs> no, but if, if, if someone is um, claiming to be a Christian and they're not walking like a Christian and after uh, multiple times of going to that brother or sister and saying, hey, um, these are some areas that we're seeing and, and we're calling them sin and they're uh, refusing to turn away from that sin and repent from that sin at some point it's not a, a certain time limit but at some point we right. come together as a church and say for the sake of this brother sister soul uh, let's uh, remove them from membership with hopes that they will repent of that sin and we'll be able to welcome them back which we've been able to see that happen shout out my man's card uh, but right right hey nicely done that was a good that was a good summary so so that's that's the garden church's right process of membership and then discipline in like 30 seconds correct uh you know at, at helping up you, you don't have to profess faith in jesus to come into the program yeah 
you just got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, so, that, so that's, that's kind of, an, that would be like an entrance difference, right? So in some ways, like, you could say that HUM's entrance requirements are, are much broader than the local churches. On the flip side, uh, it's a zero tolerance program. You know, if, 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 you, if you get high uh, and, and comes up on a UA, which it will eventually, you got to leave. Now, we'll take guys back. You've got to leave for 90 days minimum, right? We, we've, got, we've got plenty of guys who have relapsed, gone out, and then, and then actually come back in and stayed for longer, even graduated, right? But, but in a sense, like, the entry requirements are, are broader, and the, and the, the discipline kind of cycle standard is, is actually much shorter and stricter. I mean, because we haven't talked about this, so t correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm assuming if, if you've if you got a member of the church who's in recovery and they relapse, you're not going to, like, kick them out of the church right away. Right. <laughs> right, you're going right. to continue walking with them. So, like, does that make sense? Those, that kind of highlights sort of some of, the, some of the differences between at least helping up in particular, right, yeah. as, a, as, a, as a parachurch organization, as a ministry, as a nonprofit, and, and local church uh, type. Yeah. yeah amen. Um, what are some ways that the local church could partner with an organization like HUM? Like, is, 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 your right. is, is the focus there, uh, the, the important for Christians anyway, the importance of a local church and that not replacing the church? Like, what, what are ways that they can partner? Hey, we're always looking for, for healthy local churches to partner with in terms of just to, to recommend to our guys, um, you know, have them check out. And to be honest, you know, one of the biggest barriers, Lewis, Lewis knows this, because we've been trying to get guys over the new song, is transportation. Um, you know, most of our guys don't have cars. Some, a lot of them got DUIs. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, and so, so if, you know, that's a conversation we could have. But, you know, we're always looking for, for local church, churches to connect with, partner with, um, and, and invite guys to. One of the best ways that that can happen, though, I mean, you know, because we could publish the list all day long of cool churches we know in the area, is through relationship, right? So, so uh, I'm also always on the lookout for, for guys to serve as mentors. Um, and, and I don't want to get into all the, you know, details of that, you know, right now. But bottom line, like, if you're interested in that, come talk to me, shoot me an email, whatever. Um, you know, we're... We're always we've got we've got a handful of, of older, uh, you know, wiser men uh, who who come in and out at different times of the week, maybe sit in on, on classes, uh, but then eventually strike up develop relationships with guys uh, that that become kind of one on one discipling relationships, and that that kind of thing is usually meaningful in itself. But then it's also if that guy wants to start coming to church with you or whatever, it's it's a relational bridge, you know dude just walks in off the street from somewhere, you know, uh, not everybody's prepared to deal with that, right? right. So having somebody that you know uh, can, help, can help both ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. I know you got a bunch more there. What are some things that church leaders or church members, what are some things that they can do to overcome the discomfort or stigma surrounding addiction in their own churches? Hmm. Um, So discomfort or stigma surrounding addiction, uh, and and 
I, I could even broaden it just to say, like, what are some things that churches can do to, to be, uh, you know, welcoming or inviting? Right. Right. Correct. Uh, there's a number of different angles you could take, right? A number of different uh, avenues of approach. First thing that comes to my mind uh, is, is actually thinking about the preaching. We've got a few pastors in the room and other people who do preaching and teaching. You know, if, if, you're, if you're teaching from the Bible, um, you know, as you're preparing, I'm sure you're thinking about the folk in your congregation, right? The different struggles they're facing, uh, you know, the different challenges, different issues of sin and suffering. Uh, you could try to make sure that, you know, Addiction is, is one of those things that you're thinking about as you're, as you're preparing and, and preaching and teaching, right? That you're, you're dropping. It's not like you, you have, a, have a special focus Sunday, right? Right. <laughs> On the matter. But if it's more like if it's, if it's peppered in, in ways, in small ways, kind of all throughout uh, your teaching, that, that you recognize that, man, that's, that's part of some people's deal. You know, that some people are facing right now yeah. in my congregation, right? Then that, that can help open the door for deeper conversations. Also... Um, this is a double-edged sword for me, but I'm, I'm thinking about, like, testimonies, right? Like, you know, recovering addicts often have great testimonies. Right. The, the tension with that uh, is, is complex, right? Because um, there's often, like, a level of, f- like, temporary fame that can come with that. Um, that, that's, that's really hard to handle, like, that doesn't necessarily come with relationship, you know. Everybody's like, wow, that was a great storm, you know, yeah. so happy for what the Lord's done in your life. Uh, but then, then they're not actually, like, inviting them to hang out or whatever. And so, so it becomes this weird, I've, I've seen it happen where, you know, guys, you know, come, who come through Homes Program, they get involved in a local church and become, like, a star testimony Right, but but they're still like relationally kind of on the fringes of the church. Does that make sense? Um, and and uh, there, there's different ways you can try to help you know undercut that and, and prepare for that. Even uh, um, when we get, I'll mention some resources at the end. But um, like the sharing might be a good thing, right? For for the conversation that it helps start in the church. But you always want to make sure that the that the actual person is is still being cared for and is maybe in a healthy place to do that. Yeah. Let me let me. I actually made a couple notes, more notes on that. Let me see if I forgot anything. This may seem unrelated at first, but uh, I feel like another thing that the churches can do uh, is um, recover the practice of lament. Uh, as a Christian practice, I mean, if you've read the Psalms at all, <laughs> you know that, that lament, both you know, individual and, and corporate, is a big part of the Bible's prayer book. But most churches don't really enter into that, uh, you know, at least, at least in a public way. And um, both, both folks who are, you know, in recovery from addiction and, and folks who love those <laughs> who are in addiction have a lot to grieve often. And, um, and so, I mean, I, I've found, I found the Lament Psalms hugely helpful in my own spiritual life, and, and I know many folks in recovery have as well. And so I, I think that's actually another, another practice that uh, churches could pursue. 
thinking about that, yeah. I would especially recommend it for pastors if you do have a moment of uh, pastoral prayer as uh, built into your program or built into the, to the service to, to add that in there as well. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give people who are burned out from walking with friends or family who, who struggle with addiction? That can happen quickly and easily. Yes. Anybody been there? <laughs> like you're just like, I mean, you get to the point where you're just like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of going through this cycle. Would right. You? What advice would you give? Um, in fact, uh, Devin and I were just talking about this uh, during lunch. Um, you know, uh, if, if I can put you on blast. Yeah. Uh, you know, he and Kristen have had, uh, <clears throat> have had a guy living, living with them for a little while two guys, uh, recovering addicts, and, uh, you know, I'm assuming it was going well at first, right, but, you know, you've had some, had some money go missing, uh, and, and, and it gets, having to, having to try to track down the truth <laughs> can get, uh, can get, it can get exhausting, um, and my biggest encouragement is, is don't let it be just you, Right, that's 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 caring for that person. That's one of the reasons the local church is hugely important. You know, if you have if you have a, a united circle of care for a person, you're going to be not guaranteed from burnout, but you're going to be less likely to burn out. The key thing, though, in doing that is to is to stay connected, and and to um, and to to compare notes, <laughs> um, because one of the things that can they can easily happen. I've seen whole teams of people get burned out caring for one person, you know, in, in a church context. And usually when that happens, it, it's because, it's because uh, if, the, you know, if the person is using, they might start playing, one, playing different people off each other, over and against each other. You ever had that happen? Yeah. And so, and so staying connected, comparing notes, mutual encouragement and prayer, um, is the only way I know of to, to at least, at least pr protect against, against burnout. I mean, the other thing is having a, having a healthy sense of identity in Christ yourself <laughs> and, and knowing your own limitations and finitude um, is, is hugely important. You know, God is fair. He only gives each of us 168 hours a week. Uh, and probably a quarter to a third of that, we're supposed to be sleeping. <laughs> And, you know, that's God's will for that part of those hours of my week. And, and you know, any, anything, anything more than 168 hours, I can safely say, is not God's will for my life. <laughs> um, you know, the challenge is discerning kind of how, how those hours ought to be spent. But just resting in God's fairness, yeah. I think, has helped me prevent yeah. burnout. Uh, I mean, one, we'll come to it. Um, I, I think of uh, our conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. when you said that people aren't projects to be fixed, but people to be loved. Yeah, I think viewing people like that helps out a lot, and it has done so tremendously in, yeah. in, in my life. So having been at a church where we do have people who who struggle with addictions, some that even yeah. buy from my block uh, where yep. I live at, uh, and so I'm seeing them <clears throat> actually like coming in and out and asking me for money. You know, when we get here, it's just like, man, like <laughs> this is this is starting to get old, but same time recognizing the issue yeah. uh, that they that they have so
Yeah, no, that's big enough. I'll say it again. Oh. And Stephanie, you know, I mean, I think all the speakers have said it, you know, in one way or another. The, the addicts are not projects to be fixed. They're people to be loved. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, you come in with a, with a, with a fix-it mindset, right? Uh, or with a, with a project mindset, yeah, you, you, you'll burn out. You'll burn out real quick. Um, if I could perform one miracle, it would be to, to banish the word just <laughs> from, from our conversation, right, when, when it comes to this kind of stuff. You know, because there's, so there's so many things that, that, that may be helpful and good, but we throw that word just at the beginning of them, right, and, and it, becomes, uh, it becomes unhelpful. You know, uh, just, just trust Jesus more. Right. <laughs> just pray more. Just get on methadone or suboxone. Yeah. You know, just, just, just get, just go get into a program. You know, this ain't, this ain't a simple problem. It's not a simple fix. Amen. Yeah. Let's uh, take a couple questions. Sure. For Pastor Jeremy. Yeah. When is it um, wise to, what are some key, what are some indicators that it's wise for uh, somebody to take an, um, an addict into their home? And then the next question is, what's an indicator that um, the home isn't working and that they, they, need, to, they need to be removed? And, and, and not like the, clear ones, like maybe theft or murder your children, but just like, <laughs> what would be something that would I don't know, man. I, I, I wish there was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I, you know, I can't, I can't give a general answer to that because there is none. You know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, well, so, so, so one, one resource I, I'll, I really wanted to plug enough that I picked up a case of them and brought them here. Uh, is this little booklet, "When You Love an Addict" by Phil Monroe? Um, dude is a counselor, Christian counselor up in Philly. Um, I've met him, talked to him a few times. Uh, sharp dude. Um, and I don't know of any resource that like distills a whole lot of of practical biblical wisdom into this short of a package. Um, you know, but one of the things, one of the principles that he lays out in here um, that, that I really like is uh, allow them to experience consequences, yet acknowledge their losses. Most of us don't, that's something we don't know how to hold together, right? And usually it's because we're like burned out and pissed off and, you know, <laughs> uh, like, like, like allowing, allowing, folk to experience consequences of their actions, right? whether, that, whether that, that may mean, you know, you, you can't stay here anymore, uh, or it may mean, you know, you can't use the car, I don't know. Um, yet, yet also empathizing with and, and grieving, right, uh, the losses. I, I'll just read one, one teeny little bit from that. Here, help me hold this. Please. While you're looking for that, those are for sale there. in the back for $5 a piece if you want to pick one of those little books up before you leave. Nearly everyone in a relationship with an addict faces the question of how much mercy to provide. Do you bail your daughter out of jail as soon as possible when she is arrested for drug possession? 
Do you continue a sexual relationship as if nothing happened when your spouse admits to having an addiction to porn? Allowing natural consequences can be an important part of facing up to the reality of the addiction. Setting limits and holding to those limits can be an act of mercy if the purpose is to point back to God or limit continued sin. While ultimatums, threats, and punishment rarely lead to good outcomes, limits and natural consequences break up denial and deception. Uh, and and he, he goes on, but, but it's, it's, it's so key, right? Like, and it takes a lot of wisdom, you know, to, to allow, allow those maybe consequences to happen or set some natural limits, but not, but not in a vindictive way, right? Not, you know, in a way that, that empathizes with their loss or their, or their struggle. Um, and uh, another, meta, another metaphor for it is thinking about, like, how do I stay facing the relationship, right? Even, even if I have to maybe take a couple of steps back, right, because the path they're going down isn't one I'm willing to follow, but invite them to, to the way of wisdom, right, and, and remain facing the relationship. It's, it's, tough to, it's tough to suss out and say what, exactly what that looks like in a given situation, you know, which is why I feel like I can't <laughs> give, like, a rule of thumb or whatever, but but staying facing, even if you have to, even if you have to back up. Does that make sense? Cool. Pastor Rick? I just want to answer Love's oh. question. I'm still getting it. We tried it with two families bringing addicts into the house, uh, husband and wife, and it, both of them ended bad. Uh, they were on Suboxone. They didn't want to start taking the lower doses, so they couldn't work. So it became, let's watch Maury for 18 hours a day. And then food started missing. Uh, things were missing and oh, of course you're gonna blame the addicts they didn't want to work they didn't want to do anything they had no money to go anywhere so we were afraid to go out because we're leaving the, you know it's a we've got strangers in the house and we tried it again my wife brings home stray everything's and we tried it with another family and uh, the same thing they they got into a good situation we were cooking meals for them and they didn't want to leave they didn't want to try any better so that was their life and they're still doing that today uh, the one family in particular, uh, they're living in with her mom in, in a trailer. There's like 14 of them in there, and that's it. I mean, there are people that want help that I'm not saying don't help, but you really got to figure out when to bring your work home and when to do what you can from a distance. All right, any uh, closing thoughts, including resources that you may yeah. I, uh, I, I put together last night at like 1130, <laughs> I, I put together a Dropbox folder of uh, a couple dozen different, you know, PDFs, you know, mostly shorter, like little articles or, uh, or booklets or that kind of thing, but a few, a few longer pieces too that I think m might be helpful. Um, and I made a link that's They'll put it up here. It's hum, H-U-M, dot page, dot link, not complicated, slash church. There it is. Um, that'll jump you to the, uh, to, to the Dropbox folder. And, and also, you're welcome to, to email me, or we can talk afterwards. Um, you know, if you're interested in learning more about, like, becoming a mentor at hum or, or other, other questions or thoughts, 
one, one final thought, you, you know, desire is not the problem. Uh, you know, there, there's a, there's, um, there's a, there's a line in, a, in, in C.S. Lewis that, that I think aptly summarizes a lot of uh, the Bible's teaching on, on desire. Uh, says, I think it's from the essay, The Weight of Glory, says, uh, problem is not that our desires are too strong but too weak. Uh, we, we, mess, we mess about uh, we mess about with, with drink and ambition and sex when infinite joy is offered us. This is like, like, a, like a child uh, who goes on playing mud, uh, making mud pies because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. You know, and, and, uh, and you know, Stephanie mentioned Chalmers, uh, the expulsive power of a new affection, you know, or, or you got a, you know, you got that, I think it says it on the poster with Dr. King in the back, you know, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that, uh, hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. We need, we need a greater love, I mean, we need the love of Jesus, uh, ultimately to, you know, to break the, the stranglehold that <laughs> drugs, the alcohol, that that uh, any compulsive behavior, sin, whatever, has, has on our life. Amen. Last, last thing, um, what are ways that congregations can lament? Pray a psalm together. Hmm. Right. I mean, there's all kinds of, there's, there's creative settings of lament psalms in like literally every, every genre style of music, or you can just do a responsive reading. I mean, no better place to start. You know, Jesus prayed a psalm from the cross. <laughs> Psalm 22, so, yeah. yeah. All right, well, thank you, brother.